Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, happy Father's Day. It's a great day to celebrate, to celebrate new dads, to celebrate dads of little ones, dads of grown-up children, to celebrate granddads, to celebrate foster dads, to celebrate spiritual dads, all of those men who have invested in and cared for the next generation. And I'm aware that on a day like today, there'll be those who are celebrating, those who are wanting to mark those men who have played a part in their lives. But also for some people, it can be a really challenging day. It can be a day where you might feel, in mourning, you might feel the absence of your dad or a father figure in your life. Or perhaps you're feeling a mixture of both of those things. And so I just want to encourage you that whichever you're feeling, whether today's a day of celebration or you're just hoping to get it over and done with, that God is with you, God is for you, God loves you, and God cares about you. And it's such a confidence that we can have that God is a constant presence in our lives. Now today we're going to look at a dad in the Bible who we can learn from his story. In the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we meet somebody called Zechariah. Now it's a name that we um, can see throughout the Bible from various people, but this particular Zechariah isn't very well known. In fact, you're probably more familiar with his more famous son, John the Baptist. But I'm getting ahead of myself because when we first meet Zechariah, John the Baptist hasn't even been conceived. Zechariah was a priest who came from a a long line of priests, and he was married to someone called Elizabeth. And we can read in Luke 1 and verse 6 that they're described as both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, we're going to be looking at a number of other verses in Luke 1, so I just want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to open it up to Luke chapter 1 uh, so that you can read the passages that I'm going to refer to throughout this sermon. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were both likely in their 60s, uh, and they'd not been able to have children. And so as a priest, his role was he served in the temple, and when it was his division's turn on the rotor, uh, and on this particular occasion, he had been chosen to be the one to go into the temple and to burn the incense. And we can read in Luke chapter 1 that as, as Zechariah went into the temple, he would have been alone, and there would have been people all outside who were praying at that moment. Now, as he's in the temple, something incredible happens. There, next to the altar, he sees an angel. And not only does the angel appear to Zechariah, but the angel has news for him as well. Big news, in fact. Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a baby, he's told. They're to call him John, and he's going to bring great delight and joy to them. But not only that, he's going to do great things. Gabriel goes on to say this from verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It was huge news. It must have been a lot to take in. You know, the the start of this announcement to Zechariah, one of the first things that Gabriel says to him is, your prayer has been heard. Which leads us on to the first thing that we can learn from this story, and it's about prayer. Zechariah and Elizabeth would have prayed likely for a long time for a child, but presumably by this point in their lives, they'd stopped. 
And as Jews who would have anticipated, would have expected the Messiah, they would have prayed year after year, many years, for the Messiah to come too. And so to have an angel appear to say, not only are you and your wife going to have a baby when it's biologically impossible, but he's going to be a prophet who paves the way for the Messiah. What an incredible answer to prayer. And so how does Zechariah respond? Well, verse 18 says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now, when you hear this, maybe you're surprised. Why isn't he excited? Why isn't he immediately thanking God for this incredible miracle? Some years ago, I used to be the chair of trustees for a charity called Fast London. Uh, the name came from Isaiah 58, where it says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? And the charity worked on a particular estate in London, particularly with young people, trying to help them from turning away from gang activity and towards purpose and meaning in their life. Now, me and the CEO of the charity, we'd spend quite a lot of time prayer walking the estate. We'd walk around and we'd be praying and interceding. And she'd point out particular flats and houses to me. She'd say, you know, that's where such and such a dealer lives. And that's where such and such a person who's um, quite influential in the gang lives. And she'd point out particular places uh, as we walked and we prayed. And in those early days, I really remember the sense of how heavy spiritually it was that as we were praying, we were praying into a dark place at times praying for breakthrough and for God to break into lives that seemed just so entrenched in a life of uh, gang and drugs and that kind of activity. Anyway, one day I was catching up with her and she was really excited to tell me some news. She said that there was a particular guy that had started engaging in the work of the charity. Now, this was a guy who was quite influential in the gang. He was somebody who was obviously making a, a fair bit of money from the drugs that he was dealing and if I'm honest, I was really surprised. And actually, my first response was, really? <laughs> He's actually engaged with the work? Because I couldn't quite believe that it had happened. And I had a sense, the Holy Spirit gave me a nudge and said, this is what you've been praying for. This is exactly the stuff that you've been praying for. This is the kind of breakthrough that you've been interceding for as you've been walking around this estate. And so very quickly, my questioning of, really, that guy was changed by the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you're surprised at Zechariah's reaction, or maybe, actually, you understand why he replies like that. This is a man who, it's assumed that, you know, he's prayed a lot of prayers, that his prayers have gone unanswered for a child. After all, when you look at the situation, well, it doesn't seem possible. And as Zechariah himself says, he's an old man, and his wife is well along in years as well. You know, this is the reality of the Christian life. We don't always see the answers to prayer that we expect. Things don't always turn out in life as we expect them to. And we can find ourselves in situations where we're kind of wondering and trying to make sense of a situation that we see around ourselves. How many of us have experienced an outcome that we weren't expecting? How many of us have prayed for a, a job opportunity that didn't quite turn out? How many of us have prayed for a relationship to work out and it didn't? How many of us have prayed for somebody to come into a relationship with God and they're still not? How many of us have prayed for somebody to be healed and they haven't? We can't pretend that life is always easy and that everything happens as we expect it to. But what we do in response to painful and confusing and difficult and unexpected moments matters. You know, at this point, we're living in the now and the not yet. We're standing in the victory of the resurrection of Jesus, but he's not yet returned. 
We're in the reality of living a salvation life, but we're not yet living in eternity in heaven, where the only kingdom will be God's kingdom, and all evil and all pain and all tears will be eradicated. And we know, don't we, that the expectation that life will be easy in this world, it's just not biblical. 1 Peter 4.12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Romans 8.17, now if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. John 16.33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So if we expect everything to go easily and smoothly, well, we haven't quite got a right theology of suffering. You know, a great example of how to face challenges is a story that we can read in the Old Testament of three men and a fire. In Daniel 3, we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they get hauled in front of the king. They're accused of of not worshipping the king's false idols, and they're threatened with being thrown into the fiery furnace if they won't bow down in worship. And they respond, they're very clear, they say that God will rescue them, but even if he doesn't, they won't serve those false gods. Speaker and author Pete Gregg says this, the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego reminds us to believe in God even more than we believe in miracles. Like these men, we trust that the God we serve is able to save us. We insist on the possibility of miracles, but to such faith, we add faithfulness so that even if our brave words fall flat, Even if our prayers are not answered and we're plunged into the fiery furnace of suffering, we will still trust God. So back to our story. Zechariah finds himself wrestling with doubt. How can he know what the angel has said is true? How can he know that this is actually going to happen? How can he be confident that this is real? You see, even when things haven't happened in our timing, even when things haven't happened as we've expected them to, we have a choice. Are we going to focus on our circumstances or on God? Are we going to look at the obstacles or are we going to allow God to surprise us in many different ways? Can I tell you, the best way to handle life's disappointments is with God. It's with God. And when we keep focusing on God's love and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and generosity, that's when we can stay in trust, even when we don't understand what's going on around us. And so after Zechariah expresses his doubt, Gabriel responds like this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I love this. Zechariah asks, well, how am I going to know this is going to be true? And Gabriel reminds him who he's talking to. You know, clue number one, you're having a conversation with an actual angel and not just any angel, the angel Gabriel. It's a bit of a sign, isn't it? And how gracious he is to remind Zechariah that what he said will come true. But the consequence of his disbelief is that he's not going to be able to speak until the baby is born. Minister and author Barbara Brown Taylor, she suggests that instead of looking at Zechariah's silence as a punishment, what if it's an opportunity? The Bible tells us that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, often I hear people talking about developing their communication skills and what they actually are often talking about is speaking skills. But, you know, listening is a great communication skill that I think we need to all be developing. You know, whenever we run Alpha, the best, the absolute best table leaders, best table hosts are the people who can listen well. 
Too often I hear people saying, well, what if I don't know the right answer? Or how, how am I going to respond as if the, the role of somebody leading on Alpha is to respond to any and every accusation against the Christian faith? But actually the best skill that somebody can bring to leading on Alpha is listening. Because it's through listening that you get to understand somebody else's viewpoint. It's through listening that you get to understand where someone's coming from and you get to know them. That's what listening does. It helps you learn. It helps you understand. Perhaps Zechariah's enforced silence was an opportunity to learn about God's faithfulness, a way to understand God more, a way to spend time listening instead of talking. You know, when we have doubts, when we're unsure about something, when we're wrestling with what to believe, listening is a great skill to practice. Listening to God and listening to what he's saying to us, listening to the right voices you know, sometimes we need to adjust the volume, turn up the volume on those wise and discerning voices that are around us and turn down the volume on the voices that aren't as helpful. So as God has told Zechariah through the angel, Elizabeth became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. And after the baby had been born, the neighbours and the relatives, the community, they all come around and they talk about the baby's name. And they start saying, well, of course, he's going to be named after Zechariah. That's obvious because that was tradition. That's what would have happened. Carry on the family name. But Elizabeth says, no, he's to be called John. And she's really clear on this. This is not a kind of maybe or possibly. She doesn't arm and ah about it. She's quite emphatic in her no. But still, the community, the family, they push a bit more. And they say, well, there's nobody in your relatives who's called John. Let's ask Zachariah. Let's check with him. And he gets something to write on. And much to everyone's surprise, he writes, his name is John. And then the text says in verse 64, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. He's had nine months of silence, nine months of not saying anything. And his first words are to praise God. You know, the last words before the silence was imposed upon him were words of doubt. And the first words that he speaks after all of that silence are words of praise. Zechariah is a wonderful reminder that there is a way forward from doubt. We don't have to get stuck there. We don't have to keep demanding signs. We don't have to let unbelief overcome us. We can let God move our doubt to praise, our confusion to confidence, our uncertainty to faith. You know, we can help, we can allow God to help us to put our attention where it should be, which is firmly on God. And that's what praise does. Helps us to fix our eyes on God, to thank God, to give God the glory, to remind ourselves of who God is. This God that we worship. He's the one that keeps his promises. He's the one that comes through. He's the one that sees us and knows us. He's the one who is over all. How many of you have got something to praise God for this morning? How many of you know that God is worthy of our praise this morning? We don't have to stay in doubt. You see, questions and wrestlings, they are normal. It's normal to wonder. It's normal to ask questions. It's normal. It's a way of growing and learning. But there's a difference between questioning and wrestling and getting stuck. And so instead of putting an anchor down in the sea of doubt, we can continue sailing on to the land of praise. Don't get stuck. Don't stay in doubt. Let praise be an overflow. Let praise be a lifestyle. You know, with Zechariah, it's like the words were just like ready to come out. They were bubbling out of him. As soon as his mouth was opened, the praise came out. What if we lived like that? 
What if we lived in that way? What if the way that we lived was that we were so ready to be sharing stories about what God was doing? We were so ready to be giving God the glory for everything that was happening in our lives. We were so ready to be telling other people about the truth and goodness of God. What if we didn't need a warm-up song when we were worshipping? What if we just were straight in worshipping God because it was just bubbling out of us when we were praising him? So Zechariah, he goes from doubt to praise. But let's look at it, what it was that unleashed his speech. What was it that meant that his silence was broken? Well, he'd written down, hadn't he, the name that the baby was to be called. He was to be called John. Now, remember, when he'd been in the temple, the angel Gabriel had said to him that him and Elizabeth were going to have a baby and that they were to call him John. But when the relatives and the neighbours, they come round, they say that he should be named after his dad, that he should be named after the family line. And in this moment, when the family looked to Zechariah to confirm or deny what Elizabeth has said as naming the baby John, Zechariah had a choice. He had a choice as to whether he was going to obey the word from God. He had a choice whether he was going to follow God or follow tradition. He had a choice of whether he was going to obey God or obey what the expectations were around him. Now, of course, we know he chose wisely. He chose to listen to his wife. Just pause on that because that's wisdom already. (laughs) He <laughs> chose to listen to his wife and he chose to obey God and confirm the name that God had given to them both. Both Elizabeth and Zechariah were quite clear on this. Remember, they'd been described as righteous people who followed God. And the people were astonished that the baby would be named John because they were used to tradition. They were used to things being done in a familiar way. They were used to it being done in a particular way. And so in order to choose obedience to God, Zechariah had to go against what people were saying around him. You know, it takes courage to keep on following God and what he said, even against opposition, even against questioning, even against peer pressure, even against tradition. Can we praise God for what he's doing now or are we going to miss it because it doesn't look familiar? Can we praise God for what we see him doing even when it's a new thing or are we looking for our own expectations? God will continue to do new things. Will we obey him when he's calling us to follow him, when he's calling us to obey his word? Perhaps Zechariah would have dreamt of having his name passed down. Perhaps when he was praying for a son, he was praying that his family name would be continued. And yet he gladly laid down his own preference in obedience to God. And as he chooses obedience to God, immediately his mouth is open. Immediately he's able to speak. You know, our obedience to God, our choice to follow his way, our decision to listen to what he said, no matter what, it unlocks things. It frees us. It frees us to praise God and it releases us from the grip of needing to control everything in our lives, thinking that our way is best. You know, as we walk in obedience to God, we're free to be who we were made to be, to walk in God's plans and God's purposes for us. And so as Zechariah's speech is restored and his mouth is opened and he immediately praises God, he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he prophesies from verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, 
For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. You know, he's so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he proclaims the truth of God's salvation. He sings of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. He speaks of God's goodness and truth and he prophesies over his baby son, proclaiming what God has already said about him, speaking over him the incredible role that he's going to play to pave the way, preparing the way for Jesus. And we know that when the baby grows up, he speaks of Jesus to many, brings many people to the knowledge of God and baptizes them. Let me tell you about another John, a friend of mine called John. John's life was spent in violence and crime. Uh, he was involved in uh, theft and robbery, and uh, he was a football hooligan, and he was a racist. He was a pretty unpleasant person. And a threat was made on his life, and because of the stuff that John was involved in, it was a, a pretty credible threat, enough that he knew that he had to leave his hometown and so he went somewhere that he hoped he was going to be anonymous. He went to London, and he ended up living on the streets. And while he was on the streets, he attended an Alpha course, and he gave his life to Jesus. And on the Holy Spirit Day, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, John was completely transformed. And I knew John as one of the kindest, most thoughtful people I've ever met. He always had a smile on his face. He was always filled with joy. And he was always ready to tell people about Jesus. So much so that he earned himself the nickname John the Baptist. People knew him as John the Baptist because he just kept telling people about Jesus. He was so engaged in his local church. He'd be the one, first one at the prayer meeting. He'd be serving and he'd be finding all the kind of ways that he could to tell people about Jesus. And John had somewhere to live and he fell in love and he got married. His life was completely different. John died of cancer about four years ago, and he's in heaven now with Jesus. And I know that there'll be many other people who will find themselves a home in heaven because John told them about Jesus. He earned that nickname of John the Baptist. And you know, John was so filled with the Holy Spirit, and prayer and praise was his heart language, what he was so focused on. Being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is directly connected to prayer and praise. You know, as we pray and as we praise God, we can encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. And then as we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, well, we can't help but pray and praise. And like Zechariah, we can not only praise God for what he has done, but for what he's going to do. We can hear from God and we can prophesy his truth. We can prophesy over our children and over our families and over our homes and over our streets, over our city, over our university, over every sphere of influence. We can prophesy over our friends and those that we love and those that we know. We can prophesy over this nation. You know, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit... We're filled with the power to proclaim God's truth, to declare God's will, to speak about what God has done, but also what God will do, what he's promised he will do, what he's spoken about. You know, in the sermon, I've been focusing on Zechariah, but it's not just him who was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, he's last to the party in the family, actually. When he meets the angel Gabriel in the temple, the angel tells him that the baby that's to be conceived is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. And in Luke 1, you can read this beautiful account of when Elizabeth is pregnant and her relative Mary goes to see her. And Mary's just discovered that she's going to be carrying and birthing the Messiah. And as Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, well, the baby in her womb leaps and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's a beautiful foretaste of what happens at Pentecost when everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit, young and old, male and female. The Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit fills baby John, and the Holy Spirit fills Zechariah. The whole family encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. How wonderful is it that God blesses the generations? How brilliant it is that no matter how old or young we are, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you are young in this room, there is no lower age limit to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you are old in this room, or how Zechariah much more tactfully put it, if you are well along in years, then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because there is no upper age limit either. No matter what age, no matter what background, no matter who we are, we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good news this morning. Whether you are young or old or somewhere in between, God loves you. God cares about you. God knows you. God has a purpose for you and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. This story of Zechariah, this dad that we read about in Luke 1, shows us how prayer and praise and the power of the Holy Spirit are all connected. That we can pray and we can trust and ask God to help us in how we handle our wrestling and our questions well. In choosing to have faith even in the wrestle and the reality of unanswered prayer. That we can respond to the invitation to listen. That we can praise wholeheartedly, knowing that God can turn our doubt to praise. That we can live in a way that praise is an overflow in our lives. It's just bursting out from us. And that when we're obedient to God, we can live in freedom. Free from the need to control every aspect of our lives. Free from the expectations that can sometimes mean that we miss what God is doing. And as we pray and as we praise, it can lead us to an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can prophesy God's truth. And as we continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit, well, we're led further into prayer and praise. It's amazing, this relationship that we can have with God, where we can hear from him, where we can speak to him, where we can glorify his name, and we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.